0: Welcome back to It's a Theater Thing. If you've joined us before, welcome back. If this is your first time listening, It's a Theater Thing is a podcast made for and by theater fans. I'm your host, Tracy Danoff, and as usual, I'm being joined by fellow theater fan, Aaron Carl. Hey, Aaron. Well, hello there. Hey. So, this episode, we're discussing a couple of interesting topics. First, the connection between Disney and theater fans why do we love Disney so much? Is it the music? Is it the magic? Is it the princesses? Personally, for me, it's a princesses. And our second topic is one I'm personally excited about. It's award season, y'all. And since Tony nominations are coming out in a few days, we're going to be giving our own predictions. This episode, we're really lucky to be joined by a special guest, Sammy DiSocio. Hey, Sammy. Hi, Hi, it's great to have you with us.
1: Thank you. It's awesome to be here.
0: I met Sammy several years ago because of our interest in theater, but the first thing that struck me about her was her love of Disney. I think she, I think, Sammy, you actually told me that you were still a Disney princess.
1: I pretty much am. Yeah. <laughs> In my mind.
2: Same, <laughs> Sammy, same.
1: Aren't we <laughs> all? <laughs>
2: right? Aren't we
0: all?
1: Although I'm kind of mad, though. I have no talking animals that do my chores for me. And now that I have my own house, I'm like, where'd you guys go? <laughs>
0: <laughs> I know, my dogs do nothing.
1: <laughs> I stare at you like clean, human. You're like, you're supposed to be helping me with this. <laughs> <laughs> really? So, Sammy,
0: let's start with you. What is it in the first place that drew you to Disney?
1: I have been a Disney fan since I understood what Disney was. My mom has very embarrassing home videos of me dancing to Cinderella when I was about two and a half years old. Uh, <laughs> it's Yeah, it's always just been, you know, as a kid, you grew up with cartoons and everything like that. But I think for me, it was always the music. It was always, you know, the shiny dresses and, you know, the 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 princes in the movies were always so sweet and everything. And I kind of understood it like a kind of young age that like that's. You know, that's make-believe, but that, at the same time, that was something to, like, really aspire to. Their makeup always looked really nice. Like, they, they never looked like a hot mess. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> so, I think it was really, like, when I was little, it was the music. It was the cartoon itself. Um, and as I got older, it became the story. And, you know, still the music and still the everything else.
0: And what about you, Erin? Because I know you like Disney.
2: I do, yeah. Um just the classic i grew up in the 90s renaissance so uh we were lucky enough um my dad worked for the newspaper in st louis the st louis post dispatch and in the advertising section and he was lucky enough to get tickets to a whole lot of crazy events around the city to kind of entice people to buy more advertisements in the paper. So he would sneak us in with him every once in a while if he had a ticket, and one of those was the uh, pre-showing of Pocahontas. Oh. Oh, oh, yeah. Yeah. It was stunning. So it was at the Fabulous Fox Theater, which, if you've ever been to St. Louis, it used to be a movie palace, and that you could see why is the staging and everything. It was just so stunning. And the movie was awesome. And I just remember walking out and it was just like, this is just so magical. And I think that kind of also connected me with the theatrical aspect of Disney.
0: Mm hmm. Yeah, I think that was really where I the reason I became theatrical <laughs> was because yeah. of Disney. I used to recreate being Cinderella and being Snow White. And I remember as a kid, going to the movies in the movie theater and seeing Snow White. Now, I'm older than you guys, but not so old that I saw it the first time around. <laughs> <laughs> any yeah, crazy yeah. ideas <laughs> but i remember nah. to to show you how old i was i guess i was probably a teenager when they opened epcot and at the time i was like i'm not interested in epcot we we went to disney and i went i'm not interested in this i want to see cinderella i want to see snow white and this was well before beauty and the beast and pocahontas oh. and you know, all the cool movies that came out in the in the past what, like twenty years. But yeah. we are not the only theater fans that love Disney. I mean, to the point where Broadway Con actually had a Disney sing along. So why do you think people connect so much to Disney
1: Disney I mean Disney changed the game when it came to Broadway it really did I think that the connection you know I know my very first Broadway show was Beauty and the Beast Mm. you know back in 1990 blah 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 when they opened it at not even the Lunt Fontaine they hadn't even opened at the Lunt yet they had they were at another theater, and I can't remember where they transferred from, but it was Broadway, and I can't remember what theater it was um, because they did not always live in that theater. But my, you know, it's you know it taps into Disney's a very powerful force. It taps into something that you know, we all connect with, no matter where we are in the world, no matter what language we speak, no matter our financial status or political background. Disney is worldwide. Disney is something that we all connect with all the time. And I think that going to see, you know, say Aladdin on Broadway, it's like even especially for a little kid, you know, you see the cartoons and well, that's great. You're going to fall in love with the music. But to actually be able to watch Jasmine and Aladdin fly over the audience, that's something that a kid's not going to forget. You know, you could watch the movie a thousand times, but to see them physically in person is is you know is something that you can't duplicate.
0: oh, you're so right and yeah, and I love what you said about it translating to so many different types of people. I was in London about three years ago, and it was so interesting to me when I would meet people when they heard my American accent, one of the first things they asked me was have you been to Florida? And I always say, yes, I've been to Florida. Have you been to Disney? And it really resonates with people all over the world. And you're right, there's nothing like it for a small child. I mean, it is it is the magic. Uh-huh.
2: Yeah. Oh, yes. Walt is known for saying that Disney itself was a show, as soon as you pull, but, like, as you're pulling into, before you even park, you're pulling into the parking lot. That's mm-hmm. You're greeted by cast members, you're greeted by signs, you're greeted by the view. Mm-hmm. Um, and he really, really stressed that in all of his park workers, so I could totally see them taking it to the next level when they came out with Disney theatrics. They they knew they had to.
0: Now, how do you guys feel about people who complain about the Disneyfication of Broadway? I personally don't have a problem with it. I think it added to the Broadway scene. I don't love everything that happens on Broadway these days, but I don't feel that disney has played a you know a a terrible role in the development of broadway today what do you guys think
1: here's the thing about disney i don't know how many people actually know this when disney wanted to open beauty and the beast on broadway 42nd street was full of things you would never bring your child to Or walk your child past Mm -hmm. 42nd street was a very dangerous place to be especially at night nobody walked down 42nd street at night much less a family of five nobody was going down that block unless you didn't belong there and the producer again this is all from interviews that I've heard and things that I've read Disney at Disney went to I want to say it was Giuliani I really I you know, check my dates and everything to find right. out who the person was in charge. But he went to them and went, Look, we want to bring Beauty and the Beast to Broadway, but we can't. Not with the way this city looks, not with the way 42nd Street looks. And 42nd Street is the heart of the Broadway district. We can't do this. And the mayor or whoever wasn't the governor looked right at them and said, It will be gone. Wow. By the time you get here, it will be gone. And but by the time Beauty and the Beast opened on Broadway 42nd Street was clean and it is what it is today. That was because of Disney. Because without Disney moving into the block, 42nd Street would still probably be a very dangerous place to be. It would mm-hmm. not be built up. It would not be as commercial as it was. You know, it was full of triple X theaters and pimps and prostitution and drug dealers. That's what lived on Forty Second Street before Disney. So oh, while yeah. I understand people's kind of hesitation with Disney, because, you know, let's, let's be honest, Disney, if if it was a person, it would have a Black MasterCard. There would be no limit to what they could do. So, they, you know, you do see more Disney Broadway commercials than you see of Wicked or Beautiful or Phantom, because they have the budget to do it. So especially if you're not overly disnified, you're not going to want to see Aladdin's face a thousand times a day you know so people i think it's just more of a oh my god i'm so tired of hearing about aladdin oh my god if i hear the lion king one more time i'm mm-hmm. going to like hurt myself <laughs> but what people don't understand is that without disney having come in in the first place half of these shows wouldn't have a home because it would have been too dangerous to do it
0: i i totally agree with you go ahead aaron
2: Yeah, I I was just going to agree too, because, and I want to say it was Giuliani if it wasn't the previous mayor, but I know in the 70s and in the 80s, they started trying to clean out Times Square, and that's kind of when everybody went down to 42nd and 8th, which again Mm -hmm. pushed them into the theater district. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I can, uh, again, I 100% agree with you that Disney saved Broadway in that sense. Yeah. Uh, I, and I also have to say to people complaining about that, there's so much out there on Broadway, off-Broadway, off-off-Broadway, uh-huh. there's a show for everybody, in right. New York if you don't particularly like that show you don't have to go to it don't spend your money on that because then that's going to prove to them hey this concept doesn't work let's try something different so oh, like, yeah. yeah I yeah no I don't believe and I don't fall for that oh my god it's too disnified. they obviously haven't seen any of the good shows out there now <laughs>
0: <laughs> right. Well, it's interesting, uh, because, as I said, I'm a little older than you guys. Um, <laughs> and in my early 20s, early, early 20s, um, I, and I had gone to New York as a child with my mother, and and that was probably the late 70s, early 80s maybe, and I remember being scared. Looking, we took the bus in and looking out the window, and actually being scared to get off the bus because you know I grew up in the suburbs of Washington D.C. This was not something I was used to. And then when I was in my early 20s, a friend of mine and her, and her husband they moved to New Jersey, and I went to visit them, and we drove into the city, and I remember Times Square looking the way Sammy described with the triple X theaters and uh, some unsavory people (laughs) hanging around. Mm -hmm. And the next day we had tickets for Phantom. And I remember her husband insisting that he drive us up to the front of the theater. He was not going to let us walk even three steps because he was concerned about our safety back then. And even though at the time he said to me, Well, you really don't have to worry too much because organized crime really runs Times Square and they don't like for tourists to get hurt, it was still an unsavory place. And. Uh-oh. I'm I'm grateful to Disney. And I love Disney anyway, so I had no problem with them coming in. But Pray. I'm mm-hmm. grateful that they've cleaned up the area. Now, do I love all the characters in Times Square that bug you? No, I don't. But, <laughs> but I love being able to walk around there and walk around there at night and not feel uncomfortable. I've often actually told uh, people that I know because I live – I live right outside of Washington, D.C., so I'm about an hour outside of Baltimore, and I've had to go to Baltimore for different things, work-related things, and I feel safer walking around New York City than I do walking around Baltimore, which I think says a lot for what they've done for the city. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Yeah. So what do you guys see as the future of Disney in New York?
1: Oh, if I say it out loud, it's going to happen. And not all my ideas are great. (laughs) (laughs) Let's not forget, Tarzan happened. Right. And as much as I I love it, Aida happened. Oh, I love Aida. um, (laughs) Look, here's the thing about Aida. And this is a very, this is like the hush-hush show of Disney, because this was not a hit. Mm -hmm. Because, first of all, Sorry to go off on a tangent, but I either kinda bugs me a little bit. I love it to death and I love Adam Pascal and I love Heather Headley and Sherry Renee Scott. Like I love all of those lovely, lovely people that brought us this wonderful, wonderful show, and I love Eldon John. But I'm always I for years since it opened, I have scratched my head what Disney saw in it because it was not a Disney show. It was not a Disney molded show. But it was it was just very interesting. So Apart from that, what do I see happening in the future? They've already done Cinderella. They've already done Aladdin. Uh, they've already done Beauty and the Beast. I would not be surprised if they tried to bring Beauty and the Beast back, especially because it just celebrated its 25th anniversary. I would not be surprised if they revive it in some way, shape, or form. I also wouldn't be surprised if they you know, try to do some of their other musical things. Um, they might not go too far back because of the references and things like that. Like, you're never going to see The Aristocats on Broadway. It's just not <laughs> going to happen. Kids don't know what that show is. You know, we as old people know what it is because we've had it on VHS tapes, you know, but you're never going to see it happen on Broadway because it's not something that kids will look at the screen and go, Mommy, Mommy, take me to this because they're not going to understand what it is. Right. right. Mm-hmm. I always thought it would be very interesting if they tried do Sleeping Beauty. There's not a lot of music in it, so they'd have to, like, write some stuff. But the Disney Park, I know Disneyland centers a lot of their stuff around Sleeping Beauty, so it's not something that's foreign to them to try to bring it to life they would just have to tell the story correctly and not make it like a theme park show unfortunately which right now that's kind of where she sits is more of a the theme parks you know the theme park show you know 75 minutes or less and get them get to the next show um, so i wouldn't be surprised if they tried to tap into the princess the, the princesses again um, just because they haven't touched one since Beauty and the Beast came out, they haven't tried to do any of their princess ones since mm-hmm. Beauty and the Beast came out. Um, so I think that they'll at some point look to do something along those lines.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Now, do can, you guys can, oh, go ahead, Aaron?
2: Can I recommend Tangled with Zachary Levi?
0: Yeah. I just throw that up. Okay, can I just say you can always recommend Zachary Levi? <laughs> oh,
2: yay! Yay! <laughs> Yeah, really. He, he, again, Ever can I think exactly he pretty to
1: like you know water my plants?
2: Like come on, now. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, I must, but I, I must add, he wins the he pretty award.
0: Yeah, he is. He he
2: he's real pretty. Yes. Um, yeah.
0: <laughs> he was I, as I mentioned on the, our last episode. He was sitting two rows in front of me at Hades Town, and it was. A little distracting. (laughs) (laughs) Ah! Zachary, how dare you? Just a tad.
2: Um, Hermes is trying to tell a story, please.
0: (laughs) I know. I I think I'm going to have to go back and see it again because I was a little distracted. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Love it. Love it.
0: (laughs) But now let me ask you, because I am all in on Sleeping Beauty and, and Tangled, too. But with Sleeping Beauty, because it's an older story, would you see them doing a rewrite? Because, you know, these days we've got some sort of more independent princesses. It's not so much the, you know, maiden fair waiting for someone to save her anymore.
1: Right. I mean, I don't know if they would be able to only because... You know, first of all, the story itself is over 100 years old. It's I believe it's Hans Christian Andersen that came out with it, mm-hmm. um, or one of the two big fairy tale authors came out with it. So you're already dealing with a story that's over 100 years old, and then you're going to, you know, then Disney got a hold of it. He liked it. He made it just like he did Little Mermaid. Um, and now that's more of the version that kids know. You know, when you go to Disney World, and I've been several times, and I love watching little kids, like, meet the characters, because their eyes get all big, their entire bodies light up, and if they're, like, of the age that they don't speak, their entire body like flails. It's really funny. (laughs) They get excited to see the characters that they watch on TV. (laughs) Yes. Because Disney is such a child oriented company almost when you break it down to like I mean, obviously like, you're not going to take a little kid to see a Marvel movie or a star Wars movie or something along those lines. But when you break it down to like small children, say under the age of seven, they don't like change. Mm-hmm. They don't. Yeah. So if you show them sleeping beauty and once upon a dream comes on and they know every word, they know every move and then you don't replicate that on stage for them you're going to lose them because they don't like it anymore. It's not what they're used to. It's not what they're used to hearing. It's not what they're used to seeing. And at the end of the day, these these shows, yes, they have to appeal to adults because they're the ones purchasing the tickets. But Sammy's seven-year-old has to be invested enough in the story to sit for two hours. If you're not going to give little seven-year-old Sammy something that she remembers from the movie, she's not going to be invested in it. Because she's not going to care because who are these people? Right, right. You know, so while I think creative license is there within the Disney bubble... You want to write new music? Great. You want to put a pair of pants on Aurora at some point? Fantastic. You want to not have Maleficent turn into a giant fire-breathing dragon? Perfectly fine. That's not going to rattle a kid's cage. But if you complete, if you make Aurora suddenly a badass that doesn't need Prince Philip anymore, you're going to lose the story and you're going to lose the kids. Because that's not what they're used to seeing. You know, There are other princesses out there, Madeira and A couple other ones that are fiercely independent. But they're not musical, so they're not going to be musicals. You know, even Anna and Elsa were fiercely independent women. They didn't really need the guys. So that speaks to like the older, the older kids almost. You know, the, mm-hmm. the eight and up. You know, y- it's okay to speak your mind. It's okay to be independent. It's okay to not have to rely on somebody else, male or female. You don't have to rely on somebody else in order to make yourself happy. But I think if you're going to tap in, you know, I think if you're going to tap into the Disney princesses, especially before the Disney Renaissance when these characters became more than damsels in distress. Like that's, Jasmine's a badass. Like Jasmine didn't actually need Aladdin. She just got blessed with Aladdin. Like <laughs> <laughs> no, Jasmine didn't actually need Aladdin to show up. He was just the, be- the 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 best she could do in a bad situation because she was being forced to get married anyway. Might as well marry the guy. Yeah. You know, I, yeah. you start messing with the the the, the Disney princess's personalities, especially from pre 1990 or 19 let's let's call it 1989 when uh you know the little mermaid came out you're going to disenchant a lot of kids and it's not going it's going to backfire it's not mm-hmm. going to do what you think it's going to do but that's just you know that's just my prediction just having worked in child care and being so attached to these characters you know it's not going to translate the way they think it will if they try to just you know make every one of these princesses independent because some of them truly aren't and they're not supposed to be right that
2: makes right. sense. Yeah, I I agree. I also just want to point out. I think they did an amazing job. You were correct, Anna and Elsa are, are very very independent, and Frozen is like etched into everybody's brain that story. But they tweaked it when Frozen went to Broadway. It's a little oh. different. There are different. There's different songs. There's different moments. So I th- I think Disney has. An ability to do that, but I I also agree that they need to be very careful.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it does seem like y- you really have to stay true to the original story, even if you make changes. The spirit of the story has to be there. Mm -hmm. Well, guys, I am embarrassed to admit, I have not seen Frozen yet. (laughs) I need to. Uh I I need to do it. But I do love my Disney, and it seems like lots of people do. So I think Disney is going to keep going strong in the Broadway community. So we're going to keep Sammy with us to discuss our next topic, which are Tony nominations.
2: I don't. Yes.
0: I don't know about you guys. I love awards season. I've actually even been to the Tonys a few times. Uh, it's really fun, except the year I was a seat filler. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Sorry. Don't do it. <laughs> at, at, at least if you have bad feet like me. If you have great feet, go for it. But they make you stand yeah. for a long time. <laughs> oh, run,
1: run, hide. No. Right. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but the nominations are coming out just in a few days on April 30th. And it's going to be announced by Brandon Victor Dixon and BB Newworth. And if you guys want to catch the nomination announcement, uh, they're going to be at 830 a.m. Eastern Standard Time on CBS, and you can find them streaming on the Tony Awards Facebook page. And it's also going to be covered on Twitter and Instagram. So we're just going to go through a few of the categories. We're not going to hit all of them just because we have some time constraints, but we're going to hit all the big ones and just give our picks who we think is going to get a nomination this year. So we're not talking about winners, we're just talking about nominations. Our first category is Best Performance by an Actor in a Leading Role in a Play. And before we get started, I just want to say just So I always try and be honest with everybody. I haven't had a chance to see everything because I don't live in New York. I've seen a lot. So my judgment is based on what I've personally seen, what I've researched, and what friends have told me. So, you know, and sometimes there's a buzz in the air. You kind of get an idea who's probably going to be nominated. So this is, for my personal opinion, this is what I'm basing it on. So... I'm going to actually start with Aaron this time. Best performance by an actor and a leading role in a play. Who do you think is going to be nominated?
2: Uh, 100% Jess Daniels for To Kill a Mockingbird. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I- yeah that, that, I, that's one of the only plays that I've seen on Broadway uh, for this season. And I jaw dropped on the floor. I left it there while waiting for him at the stage door. It was so stunning, so powerful. Yeah, he, he deserves the nomination, definitely.
1: Cool. And Sammy, who do you think? Well, I have to agree with Jeff Daniels. I mean, anytime you do To Kill a Mockingbird, whoever plays that role has got to be a force of nature, and he definitely is. Um, but I also think that Brian Cranston might have a chance. You know, he is another one that he is a force of nature when he comes on stage or comes on camera, and I think he carried network very, very well. Um, so I think that he'll, he'll definitely be nominated. I also think that, I mean, I know it's not, is it open yet? I'm sorry, I'm actually on Broadway.com right now looking at what's open and what's awards Award season makes my head spin and opening and closing days make my head spin. So <laughs> yeah, we have opened yet. Look at that! I'm going to throw it out there. How about John Lithgow for playing Bill Clinton and Hillary Uh, Clinton?
0: You know what? That was one I did not think of, but yeah, I could totally Mm -hmm. see that. I hear that I haven't seen it yet. I hear he's pretty good. I that that he does a great job. Well, I have a list, y'all. <laughs> I was, I, <laughs> do, do share, do I, share. Yeah,
1: yes, so to uh, the audience.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so I agree with you guys. I think Brian Cranston definitely. I think Jeff Daniels, definitely. I'm actually a little nervous because they're going to be bringing To Kill a Mockingbird to D.C., and I don't know who's going to be playing Atticus, and I'm really nervous about that. So I hope it's someone that can carry the torch. (laughs) Also, I did not get to see Choir Boy, but I have heard nothing but great things about Jeremy Pope. So it wouldn't surprise me if he kind of came out of left field and got a nomination. Tracy Letts, I hear, is fantastic fabulous in all my sons i also feel that jim parsons is gonna get a nod for boys in the band and Mm i hate to say it listen i have much love for nathan lane much love but sometimes i feel like he gets nominated because he's nathan lane (laughs) sorry i agree
1: with you yeah
0: yeah and I think he's going to get a nomination. I'd be shocked. Yeah. So those are my picks. So going on to best performance by an actress in a leading role in a play. Sammy, let's start with you.
1: Okay. I would be surprised if Carrie Russell wasn't nominated. Uh, from what I understand, Burn This is one of those pieces that like you can't miss. And she gives a very different performance than people are used to seeing her in. Um, so I'd be very surprised if she doesn't at least, if her name doesn't at least get whispered among the nominations. Um, and then this... Frankie and Johnny, I mean, come on, it's Audra McDonald. Yeah. It's Audra. Yeah. Let's just go ahead and give her number seven.
2: Yeah, let's just go ahead and give her number seven right there.
0: Well, exactly. exactly. My personal opinion is it's going to be a toss-up between... Glenda Jackson in King Lear and Elaine May in the Waverly Gallery. From what I hear, Elaine May was extraordinary. I didn't get to see the show because it's it's a hard subject for me, someone who's dealing with Alzheimer's because I she didn't have Alzheimer's, but I had a mother who suffered from aphasia. And so I thought it might be a hard show for me to sit through. But I hear that she is Absolutely amazing in that. So I think it's going to be a toss up between the two. Nothing against Audra. I love me mm-hmm. some Audra, but, <laughs> but I think these are going to be the two front runners. But just a little aside about Audra I don't know if you guys follow her on Twitter. Uh, she <laughs> posted a picture of her script from Frankie and Johnny, and her a little one, I guess she's a toddler now, got a hold of it and drew all over it.
1: <laughs> oh. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, it was great
1: <laughs> like that's not your coloring book mommy needs that sorry also, could you imagine going to the director and just showing him the page like I need another one of these pages because right. <laughs> <laughs> right.
2: dear Today. stage manager can you print me out this page
1: dear stage manager here are some cookies please reprint this page please see attached <laughs> <laughs> but I also
0: agree that Annette Bening will probably get a nomination, and also Laurie Metcalf for *The yeah, Lion
1: Absolutely, mm-hmm.
0: she just does no wrong. So mm-hmm. I think, and and also one name that really hasn't been mentioned in a while, Janet Mcteer, who is in *Bernhard Hamlet*. Uh, oh, well. I could see her getting a nod too. So, what do you think, Aaron? It,
2: it is the year of Shakespeare there, with the with the Hamlet and now the King Lear there. King Lear, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, w- I was I was leaning and making sure uh, Glenda Jackson got on that list. That was the one that I wanted to uh, get out there and put out to the universe because I have heard nothing but amazing things, and the amount of press she's doing. And eight shows a week. That is insane.
0: Right, right. I mean, it's pretty impressive. So next we have Best Performance by an Actor in a Featured Role in the Play. And speaking of Bernhard Hamlet, Dylan Baker. I think he's definitely going to get a nomination. Mm -hmm. I think Andrew Rannells for Boys in the Band. Mm Because I really think the Tony folks, they really like him. For Wavery Gallery, I think Michael Sarah might get a nomination. And I hear that Benjamin Walker and All My Sons is really good. So I could see those four getting nominated. Aaron, what do you think?
2: Yeah, that's that he got my list right there. Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, I knew I had Andrew Reynolds <laughs> yeah. at the
2: very yeah.
1: least.
2: Yeah, he's, he's a favorite. That, that's, yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> How about you, Sammy? I mean, that entire cast of boys in the band, that's like, let, let's talk about that. Like, that's a hard show to start with. Yeah. So props to like all the guys that went through that show, never leaving the stage for more than a few minutes. Um, Zachary Quinto was in that, wasn't he? I think that he would be. I think that his name will be brought up at least once because wasn't that his Broadway debut? I want to say. It might have been, yeah. It
2: I, been. I think so, yeah. He's yeah. he's done a lot of film, but I don't think he ever, yeah, made it so to I New York. So I think
1: based on that alone, you threw a film actor into a Broadway show doing it eight days a week in one of the hardest male-centered shows anybody's probably ever written um, I'd be very surprised if his name didn't come up.
0: Right. I kind of wish that the Tonys did what the Oliviers do, which is have multiple people, you know, for one nomination. Like the musical Six, all six actresses were nominated for Best oh. Actress in a Musical. I would love to see something like that for Boys in the Band, because I, I think it's really deserved. But
2: Yeah, they, they really don't, because that was uh, a couple years ago for... My personal favorite show, Deathless Spring Awakening, when the nominations were coming out, they kind of even mentioned okay, what if Moritz gets nominated? Is it going to be Daniel Durant and Alex Boniello, or is it just going to be Alex because he's the voice, but Daniel's really doing the acting? Right. So it's, it, it, Tony's kind of needs to take a look at that.
0: Yeah. It, it would be a nice change, I think.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: Yeah. So best performance by an actress in a featured role in a play. I have Joan Allen for Waverly Gallery. I just think she's fabulous in everything she does. Uh, Mercedes Rule for Torch Song. Who? This is the person I think will get a nomination and win. (laughs) Even though I said we were making winning predictions. This is my prediction. Uh, Celia Keenan-Bolger for To Kill a Mockingbird. And Finola Flanagan for The Ferryman. So, I don't know. what Now, Aaron, you, you saw To Kill a Mockingbird. What did you think of Celia?
2: Amazing. I mean, just everybody was kind of murmuring before the show starts, like, all these people playing the children are in their 30s. Like, what is going on? This is going to be so horrible. And within five seconds, mm-hmm. you were just so enthralled and brought into the world. Mm-hmm. She was Scout on the mm-hmm. stage. It was... Such an amazing piece altogether, and every part just worked together so well. Yeah, mm-hmm. totally, totally deserves the nomination and totally deserves to win.
1: Okay, what do you think, Sammy? I mean, again, I haven't really been keeping up on the plays lately. I, I definitely agree with your list, though. I forgot Torch Song was this season. Ooh. Yeah,
0: <laughs> I, know. I know. That, that does that change some things. Season.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Okay, then. There's that piece of news. That's good. Um, <laughs> but I definitely, definitely agree with your your both of your lists. I think that those, you know, it's so often like you, if you have so if you have like a powerhouse of, of a lead, sometimes, you know, women, the, the, uh, the lesser roles or the supporting roles, sometimes people don't give too much thought about other than, oh, they were, you know, really good. But I, I definitely think the ladies that you mentioned definitely stood out among those, you know, those supporting, the supporting uh, people on stage, especially in, you know, this, this has been a very emotional year for plays. Mm-hmm. King Lear, the ferryman, To Kill a Mockingbird, like this This is a very emotional year for plays. So anybody that has that kind of energy to do it eight days a week and go to that place every day, uh, I think is definitely deserving of one. But I definitely agree with with your list, absolutely.
0: Great. Well, and then I will give you my next list, (laughs) which is best direction of a play. Uh, I only have three. Uh, Sam Mendes for The Ferryman. Jack O'Brien for All My Sons and Bartlett Sheriff for To Kill a Mockingbird. So, do you guys have any to add to that?
2: No. You're locking it down there, Tracy. Come on,
0: you know, <laughs> really? I guess, like I told you guys before we started, <laughs> I, I'm a nut when it comes to this stuff. So,
2: <laughs> so yeah, we'll this move is. On. <laughs> that is-
0: We'll move on to Best Revival of a Play. Do you guys have any thoughts on that?
2: Best Uh, Revival. Well, I
0: can give you mine. Okay.
2: (laughs) Yeah, go go ahead.
0: Boys in the Band, uh, Torch Mm -hmm. Song, and All My Sons. Those those were my picks, so it'll be interesting to see if they get nominated. So for Best Play, I have The Ferryman, Network, To Kill a Mockingbird, What the Constitution Means to Me, and Choir Boy. So I've been hearing a lot of good things about what the Constitution means to me. I don't know if she has the, I don't know how to put it, like, there's not there's no like attention grabbing press out there about this play. You don't hear a whole lot about it. I mean, it only recently opened. I think Network is probably the sexier pick, but mm-hmm. I think probably the real solid pick is To Kill a Mockingbird. What do you guys think?
1: I think Boys in the Band or Torch Song. Ah. You know, especially with you know the, the changing landscape of of theater, You know, every so often, theater subliminally gets an overhaul. You know, we saw it last year when they brought back the great work, you know, when they brought back Angels in America, you right. know. And then after Angels in America closed, Torch Song opened right after that. And somewhere in the middle, Boys in the Band opened, giving the LGBT community a new voice on Broadway. You know, we all... You know, those of us that do theater, we all we all know. You know, if you look at a Broadway stage, that's a musical. You know, you can count off the number of guys on stage that are part of that community. But I think that to see it on stage in play form after how long has it been since Torch Song was on Broadway? Twenty uh, years?
0: Yeah, something like that.
1: Probably you know I mean? more. Right? How, how long has it been since Boys in the Band was on Broadway? Oh, and goodness. exactly, and it was one of those things where, you know. You had these characters that were dealing with the issues that these people would be dealing with today, just on a completely different scale, on a in a different time frame. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that that's going to speak volumes to the committee. I think that'll. I think those two. Um, You'll be hearing a lot more rumblings about those two and those actors and those directors as we get closer to the nominations and closer to Tony Knight. Even if they don't, even if certain actors in those shows don't get nominated, I have a feeling that those two are going to be like frontrunner favorites. Those will be the ones that fans get mad about if they don't win anything.
0: Right. Right. Yeah, I could
2: see that. Yeah, I completely agree with you. And it would be interesting to see if this this is where the Tony voters take it out on To Kill a Mockingbird for the whole Aaron Sorkin drama with the Harper Lee Estate and then with the other version and him suing all these community theaters that were putting on the other version
0: yeah but just so we um, get it clear it actually wasn't Aaron Sorkin it was um,
2: uh, the Harper Lee estate uh, was
0: it? no no, it was uh, Scott Rudin (gasps) yeah it was Scott Rudin yeah no that's okay okay. I mean it's it's easy to make that mistake but yeah because he owns the rights So, yeah, he was he was putting out that edict that nobody else could do a version of To Kill a Mockingbird, which I think once the word got out and I have to give a shout out to our editor and chief, uh, Chris Peterson. From Onstage Blog. He's also the creator of Onstage Blog and the whole onstage blog network. But he was the one to speak out in the beginning and say, Okay, if this is what's going to happen with the Kill a Mockingbird, we're going to ask for a boycott of all Scott Rudin produced shows. And people it, it really did pick up some steam. And then finally, you know, they made a compromise and they're allowing people to produce this particular form of to kill a mockingbird, but it was really hard. I think it was really hard on high schools who who just want to do, you know, a, a stage interpretation of a classic book, <laughs> you know. Right. <laughs> so, that had been
2: around for years and yeah. many many have done before. So yeah. yeah.
0: So actually you may be right. I mean, there may be a bit of a backlash because of that. Yeah. I I did I, not think of that. <laughs>
2: I see them taking it out on the show in general, but still crediting the actors yeah. and the t- the technical people. Right, so, right. Yeah,
1: you can't blame the actors and the tech crew for something that the producers got in the middle of. Right,
2: exactly. Yeah.
1: It's not fair.
0: Right. <laughs> okay guys, moving on to musicals. Best performance of an actor in a leading role in a musical. Aaron, what do you think?
2: Okay, actor in a musical. Uh, that is hold on, I'm try, I'm trying to find my list. Okay, okay, I'll
0: give you mine while you're looking. <laughs> <laughs> I saw a list. I a list. I was just list.
2: skimming, I'm skimming, but yes, go ahead with your list.
0: Um okay. So Brooks Ashman... I can never say his name. Brooks Ashmanskis from The Prom. I just thought he, was, he gave such a lovely performance. At first, I was like, oh, this is sort of a stereotypical character. But as you get deeper into the show, you really see this character has heart. He played it with such nuance. I just... I thought it was beautiful. I, I loved him in this. My new Broadway boyfriend, Patrick Page... Uh, sorry, sorry, guys. <laughs> I know most people would say Reeve Carney. I'm older. It's Patrick Page. Um, so I'm sorry, but you know, look up the word smoldering. There's a better. <laughs> There's a picture of Patrick Page from Hades Town, and and I have to say, you know, they they announced the Outer Critics' uh, nominations today, and he was not nominated, and I think it's a crime. He should have been nominated. Oh, he he was yes. amazing, and Cutie Patootie Reeve Carney also is one of my picks. Who who was nominated? today Mm -hmm. for the Outer Critics and he deserves it I thought he was really good Uh, actually my husband who is a musician is one of the things he does when he's not doing his day job he was incredibly impressed with Reeve Carney and just the range of his voice uh, and I thought he was great I'm hearing some great things about Santino Fontana, who I think is adorable. I think he, you know, he's good in everything I've seen him in. So it, that would not surprise me. And my final pick, actually, is Alex Brightman from Beetlejuice. I got to see the out-of-town tryouts, and I thought he was fabulous. I couldn't understand. They, they really didn't get very good reviews here in D.C., and I was shocked I mean, it needed a little work when it was here, but it's such a fun show. And boy, does he work. I mean, that man must lose like 10 pounds during the course of that show every night. I mean, he really deserves a nod. But I have to say, I'm really, really pulling for Patrick or Brooks. So what do you guys think?
1: I think Alex Brightman. In in a big, bad way, because the last time any of us saw him, he was playing Mr. Schneebly with Rock of... Not Rock of Ages, I always do this, with School of Rock. Right. You know, this is such a deviation from that. It's such a different character. And let's be honest, you know, anybody that's going to step into the shoes of Michael Keaton, you know, and he made that role so synonymous with himself that... For an actor like Alex Brightman to go, I got this. Yeah. Let's do this. I got this. I can I can do this. And then just completely take this character. He's the same dude we've all known since the movie came out in the 80s or 90s, but he's just so much more sarcastic. <laughs> <laughs> oh <And> yeah. <laughs> he's got so many great one-liners. And mm-hmm. Alex Brightman just doesn't break a sweat. He's just like, I got this. Mm-hmm. And he completely embodies that character heart and soul. And I, that is such a hard character in the first place um, that I think that he's is, he, if he doesn't get it, I'll be very, very upset. Mm-hmm. Um, because come on now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: I mean, and, and you also have to think, I mean, what kind of, I, I know he's taking good care of himself, but boy, what kind of stress is he doing on his voice?
1: Oh, I know. I say this all the time. Every time I hear an actor, like, I call it throwing your voice because you're doing something your voice really shouldn't be doing. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that every time an actor or a singer has to throw their voice, my voice cringes for them. Mm -hmm. Um, So anybody that can keep that up for that long and not hurt themselves is, like, hero worship in my eyes. I also think that we're going to be very pleasantly surprised and hear Will Rowland's name for Be More Uh Chill.
0: Okay, okay.
1: Because here's a show that literally only exists because of fans. Yes. That's the only reason that this show exists on Broadway at all. Because they had such a great out of town tryout here in New Jersey. Mm-hmm. that fans flocked to the theater they flocked to two river theater in droves i i remember they did one night at the strand theater in lakewood and a friend of mine had been playing that night in something else we walked outside and there were be more chill fans outside waiting for this cast this was off off, off off broadway in a regional theater in lakewood new jersey nobody had heard the show yet but yet here all these kids were eight, set fifteen to nineteen years old. These kids were all waiting. They were very disappointed when we came out the stage door and not the Be More Chill cast. And we're looking at one of them, and I said, "Who are you? waiting? What are you waiting for? What is Be More Chill?" <laughs> they were like, "Oh my God, you haven't heard?" And I'm like, "What?" And I had to have these kids educate me with what Be More Chill was. They they targeted a certain age group. They mm-hmm. got that age group by the horns. And it was this age group that tweeted and went on message boards. And, you know, we're seeing the very first Broadway show get to Broadway because of a viral marketing campaign that the producers had nothing to do with. Yeah, yeah. Pretty and amazing. To do with. So and Will Rowland seems to be like the favorite of the group, especially with the producer, um, Jen Tepper, mm-hmm. you know, her, him, her being his best friend you know he's all over her instagram she's all over his instagram this show is very unique in that it's very fan interactive because they're you know they know where they come from and i think that the academy is going to look at it and go this show made history on its own just because of how it got here you Mm -hmm. know and Will willman seems to be the favorite of the cast in general so i think that you'll definitely hear his name
2: May, may i present to you george salazar (laughs) (laughs)
1: well you
0: know i have him for a featured actor actually but i could see you know he he definitely deserves a nod yes yeah yeah he
2: and he he, he's getting nominated because that is the critics are kind of tearing the show apart but Mm -hmm. it seems to be will and george that are like the lone standards
0: right well, I'm going to be, you know, very honest here and say I saw Be More Chill, I didn't love it. I didn't dislike it, I think, as maybe as much as my husband did, <laughs> but, <laughs> but I, didn't, I did not love it. But I appreciate several of the performances. And I have to admit, when I saw it, it took me a little while to warm up to Will Roland. But I loved him and Dear Evan Hansen. And I think by the end of the show, he was doing a great job. I don't know if maybe I saw him on an off day. But I would definitely support that nomination. Absolutely.
2: Mm -hmm. And
0: they've all worked hard for it. And I, you know, even though that show is not my cup of tea, I respect what they've done with the show. So it's pretty amazing.
2: I think this is going to be another one the the Tony voters are going to reward the show for the the fan base, for mm-hmm. getting there, for supporting their fans, for having the fans support them so much.
0: Yeah. So let's go on to a, a performance by an actress in a leading role in a musical. So, again, one of my favorites, Beth Level for The Prom. I oh. just... Thought she was great, Eva Noblezada for Haiti's Town, Kelly O'Hara for Kiss Me Kate. Just because I kind of think she's a given, I haven't seen the show, but I, and I love Kelly O'Hara. I would love to see her do something that's not a revival, <laughs> to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> but people love her. I think she's going to get nominated. Stephanie J. Block, I hear, is really great in The Share Show, and people really seem to like her as well. And I really like Stephanie, and I excuse me if I'm mangling her name, Stephanie Hugh from Be More Chill. I just thought she was adorable in that show, and I loved how quirky her character was, and she just handled the whole thing so well. So what do you guys think?
2: Yeah, you got my list. Though. I have your
1: list. Yeah, you, you definitely have a lot of my picks, um, but I also think that Sophia and Caruso for Lydia in Beetlejuice. You'll hear her oh, name. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Because again, here's I mean anybody that anybody in this cast, you know, you're stepping into shoes that are very very large. You know, Tim Burton, Michael Keaton, Winona Ryder you know, Alec Baldwin, Gina Davis, you know, these are very, very big names that people have now made synonymous with their with this movie. It's been out for 30 years. It's, you know, that's just the way it's going to be. Mm-hmm. So I think that she was able to come into the role of Lydia and totally make it her own. You know, she's got the sharp wit that Winona Ryder had, but it's also, I want to say, almost like an updated version of Lydia. Mm-hmm. Um, she is not as morose, as yeah. Ona Ryder was, you know, I'm not saying that she's upbeat because it's Lydia and she's not supposed to be, but she's not nearly as morose. It was like when uh, Chris Rodriguez played Wednesday Adams in The Addams Family. It was still the same character, but there was a slight change to her that made her more relatable. And I think mm-hmm. that she's done the same thing with Lydia for Beetlejuice.
0: I agree with her, with you. I loved her mm-hmm. in Beetlejuice. I thought she did a fabulous job. And I have to tell you, I was so excited when I saw somebody cosplaying <laughs> as Lydia <laughs> at, at Con this year. And she was the only one. <laughs> and she yeah, must have you, seen it in D.C.
2: <laughs> you you tapped me on the shoulder and I'm like, oh, my God, oh, my God. And I'm like, I, I don't know that cosplay. What's going on over here? <laughs>
0: It was very cool.
1: <laughs>
0: so, yeah, oh. I'm all in on that one. <laughs>
1: yeah, I, I definitely think she's going to be she's going to be mentioned, if nothing else.
0: Yeah. OK, so uh, how about best performance by an actor in a feature role in a musical? Believe it or not, I have two. be more chill people. How? Uh, George Salazar, who we mentioned before. I mean, really, I have to say, even though, like I said, the show wasn't my cup of tea. He was so great during Michael in the Bathroom. I know that's the sort of standout song or one of the standout songs. And my opinion, and actually it was something my husband pointed out to me, it's it's not so much the song. It's his performance of the song. And I think he's absolutely right. He just captures that whole feeling of being uncomfortable in this social situation and i just thought he was terrific jason tam also in be more chill who i just loved i thought he was fun i love Um, jason tam uh, he's great he's great and i would love to see him get get a nomination he deserves Mm it was he nominated for if then i can't remember I don't believe he was. I could be wrong, but I don't think he was.
2: I, I yeah, I don't think so. Up.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah, I didn't um, think he was, but
0: yeah, Andre de Shields, who I thought was fabulous in Hades Town. I mean, he just has an aura about him. And the moment he walked out on stage, it was like he just captured that audience. He didn't let them go. He was exceptional. And Chris Sieber for the prom. I just enjoyed him. Thought he was fun. Oh, (laughs) yes.
2: The the adults in the prom have so much fun on stage. They really do. Yeah, Yeah. it it is. It's hilarious. I love it. Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> you guys have any to add to that list? I want
1: to throw Rob McClure in here.
0: <gasps> oh,
1: yeah. For playing Adam in Beetlejuice. I think that that's such a great character for him. Um, and I don't know if this would be considered supporting or, or whatever category we're on, but maybe Adam Daniser for playing Charles. Because huh. that's a very interesting role.
0: Uh-huh. That is. I, yeah, I could see him getting a featured, uh, actor nomination for that yeah, yeah. he was, he was mm-hmm. very good
1: yeah um and i've i've loved his work since he was in rock of ages i thought he did you know i've been waiting for him to come back <laughs> <laughs> i have been waiting for this man to come back since he left <laughs> rock of ages <laughs> don't you love
0: that like you 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 really get into an actor and then they disappear for yeah. years and years and then they show up it's so exciting
1: <laughs> yeah it, as soon as I saw his name come across the cast list, I'm like, don't don't toy with me now. Don't mess with me now. Don't mess with my musical theater Love and heart. Don't do that. And then when his cast when his name stayed on the cast list, I'm like, Oh my god, they're gonna keep him I probably got like more excited about that than I probably
0: should have. No, it's total it's totally legit. It's cool. Um, right. <laughs> right. So speaking of Beetlejuice, Leslie Kritzer is actually one of my picks for uh, actress in a featured role in a musical. I thought she was amazing. (laughs) Mm -hmm. She was hilarious. (laughs) Unless her role has changed a lot from DC, because I haven't seen it in New York yet. She was stealing the show left and right. I mean, she was really great. She's definitely... Up there on my list. Also, another be more chill person, Lauren Marcus. I thought she was great. Amber Mm -hmm. Gray, who I loved in Hades Town. I mean, she just—I don't know. She's she's got a way about her. She's just amazing, and we kind of remind me a little bit. Like she had this Billie Holiday vibe going on, which I really loved. And pretty amazing that she's like gave birth nine months ago, and she's up there doing that. Now, I did not get to see Head Over Heels, but I have heard her sing, and I heard that Bonnie Milligan was amazing
1: in Head Over Heels. Did any of you guys get to see her? I didn't, but I would like to add then Jeremy Kirchner to to our list then. Oh, okay. I forgot that was this season from the videos that I've seen and I follow I've I've followed him forever I've been following him for years because he did rent and I'm such a rent head um that (laughs) in the minute I found out he had one I like you know insta stalked him for a little while to find out what he was up to because another one that disappeared off the face of the planet and I hadn't heard from forever so when he started doing head over heels I threw myself into head over heels and I saw some of the it wasn't bootleg footage I don't want people to think that's what I was watching. I was watching all the promotional stuff. Um, And from what I saw, he did such an amazing job. So I do want to throw his name on there. Um, But from the clips that I saw that I do absolutely agree with you with her though, too.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I hear she's great. How about Mm -hmm. you, Erin? Did you get to see head over heels?
2: I did not get to see Head Over Heels. It was on my wish list, but I just didn't make it back to the city in time.
0: Uh, well, I know you saw this one. Caitlin Kunanen for The Prom. I yes. thought she, w- she just did a lovely job. Um, and she's, you know, she's so young and she just handled that role so well. And also, I added Julie Halston from Tootsie. Even though I haven't seen Tootsie yet, I love Julie Halston. I think she is hilarious. And mm-hmm. it wouldn't surprise me because she's been around for so long. If they just, you know, gave her a nomination, so and and getting back to Jeremy Kushner, I agree with you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> mm-hmm. I remember years and years ago, uh, I saw him, and I wish I could remember the name of the show. It never went anywhere. It was a show done at a regional theater out here, Signature Theater, and it took place during Nazi Germany, and he was a dancer. Oh.
1: Oh, you know what show
0: I'm talking oh, about?
1: Oh, yeah, and he was, yeah, he was he was in a circus and he had a top hat. No, he, no. No, I'm, not, I'm thinking of no. something different then, because I remember he did something in between that then. Okay, never mind. Yeah. I got excited. I thought I yeah. was
0: <laughs> <laughs> And I thought he was terrific. And then I saw him in Jersey Boys in Las Vegas, and I got so excited because, you know, Of all places, I didn't expect to see him in Las Vegas, and there he was. Um, (laughs) But but I think he's, he's terrific, too, and we need to see more of him. He's another one we need to see more of. So, okay, best book of a musical. What do you guys think?
1: I think Be More Chill definitely has potential. Um, Mm -hmm. especially because it does relate to kids on a kind of deeper level. I feel that's why adults really don't get into Be More Chill, is Mm -hmm. because it really is geared towards a certain age group. So I think that that, you know, that'll definitely have at least honorable mention. I think, again, Beetlejuice, absolutely. Not Pretty Woman. Not Pretty Woman. (laughs) Um, Yeah. (laughs) I think we're all going to be pleasantly surprised with Ain't Too Proud. I Ah. think that... I think that might get a book nom only because I mean, every time something comes up in the vein of Motown, they, they, you know, history shows they do get a, at least a nom for the book, especially if you're talking about something as pop cultured as the temptations,
0: yeah. you know, even
1: if there's not a real deep story to it, the temptations of the Temptations that speaks to an entire generation. So I think that they'll, they'll definitely get something out of, out of them. Either the book or one of the actors will definitely get something, just because it's you know, just because of the subject. Mm-hmm. Do you have anything to add, Aaron? Uh,
2: I'm gonna go with the prom and then uh, Hades Town.
0: Yeah, those were those were my picks as well. I think all of the ones mentioned are probably going to get a nom. They should. Okay, best score. I know what my pick is.
1: <laughs> Come on, I'm going to choose my children. I don't even have children. <laughs> it's just so underhanded. <laughs> I know. <laughs> that ain't right. I wasn't ready for the. That escalated quickly. <laughs> I'm <know>. sorry. <laughs> That's okay.
2: That's
0: okay. <laughs> um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think Town is going to get it mm-hmm. and probably be more chill. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what do you guys I, think?
2: I think it's going to be a battle royale between those two. Mm. I think if the others get nominated, they're going to kind of be pushed back to the side because – Joe is the underdog, and he's the new kid, and everybody's excited. And I've, I am going to butcher her name. Annalise for Hades. Oh, uh,
0: Anias, Anias Mitchell. Yeah. Yeah.
2: So Anias is, you know, still new and still young, but I think it's more established. And like we were talking about before, Be More Chill is more, you know, the fans' grassroot brought it up. Right.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah if you think about who the Tony voters are, it's definitely going to be a variety of ages.
1: So mm-hmm.
0: yeah. So it'll be interesting to see which way they go. Can Kate,
1: yes. can Me, Kate be nominated or or no?
0: No, because it's a revival.
1: That's what I thought. Uh, yeah. Then I definitely, definitely think the prom be more chill. I haven't heard a lot from Beetlejuice from what I've heard. It's funny and it's good. I just don't mm-hmm. know if people walk out of the theater singing those songs though.
0: Yeah, I have to admit, I didn't. I enjoyed the heck out of it. It's just so fun, but it wasn't a score that stayed with me. Right.
1: So I I don't think that they're as as popular as they're getting because, oh my God, they sold out their first preview, and who does that? Right. Uh, (laughs) Like, their first preview sold out completely. Who does that? As popular (laughs) as this show is, I don't think they'll get the nom for the score. Just because okay. nobody walks out singing the songs, unless you're like completely devoted to this show. Um, and I think it also speaks volumes that they have not yet announced a cast recording yet either.
0: Yeah. Whereas
1: some of these shows are already on Spotify and they're already on iTunes. Beetlejuice, as popular as it is, has not even announced, hey, you know, look for the, look for the score in three months or something like that. Uh, so I think they're actually, they might actually be waiting for the Tonys to happen to find out how this show is going to go, because the Tonys do have an ability to make or break a show sometimes. True. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: So, well, I'm not too worried about them, though. I think, you know, even if they don't win a lot, I think their popularity is going to continue because people love that movie. And mm-hmm. I mean, I just, I think word of mouth is mm. that it's such a a fun show that people want to see it, so.
1: Right.
0: Yeah, so I think they'll be okay either way, so. No, absolutely,
1: mm-hmm.
0: yeah. Yeah. Okay, guys, best direction. I mean, my pick is uh, Rachel Chavkin for Town mm-hmm. and Stephen Brackett for Be More Chill. Okay. What do I you guys
1: agree.
2: think? Uh, <laughs> yeah. We're all in agreement there? Yeah. <laughs> um, I I'm kind of intrigued. I've I haven't seen the new Oklahoma, but I okay. heard it was like kind of grating and shocking. So I kind of yeah. think I would like that.
0: Yeah. Well, Oklahoma I have under direction of a revival, and I do think you know I okay. it, I've heard what, I, what I've heard about Oklahoma. It's either you love it or you hate it. So... Is that
1: the case with Oklahoma? Yeah, <laughs> I think you're right. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that always the case with Oklahoma? Either you love the show or you just wanted to go away. <laughs> right.
0: <laughs> this is true. This and is don't,
1: true. And don't get me
0: started
2: on Carousel. Relax.
1: Um, <laughs> 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 <Bless. laughs>
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, sorry, Rodgers and actually,
2: Hammerstein. Sorry. are <laughs>
1: right. right now. We're all going to theater hell. <laughs> oh, you know what? I'm wrong.
0: I didn't have that for direction of a revival. I guess it's just best direction. I'm sorry. You're right. So Oklahoma would be in there. I had Oklahoma down for best uh, revival as well as Kiss Me, Kate. So, but I, I'm thinking, as you know, as far as musical goes, those are the only two I can think of that are I revivals thought, for this season.
2: I thought I had heard that they may not do a category, a revival category,
0: oh, since really? it was
2: only those two. Ah, that would be I interesting. Th- I thought that's what I heard. But obviously, things can change. And I'm not in the Tony voting committee, so I don't know.
0: Well, Erin, you need to get on that.
2: I know. Who do I call? <laughs>
0: I know. Really? You're letting us down here. Come on, Sh- sister. i shocked.
2: <laughs>
0: I am shocked. Okay, so I've saved the best for last, guys. Best musical. Stop it. Oh,
2: <laughs> let the debates begin.
0: Stop it. <laughs> I've got... Be more chill, Beetlejuice, and Hadestown. Town.
1: Okay, um, I think the prom will definitely be in there somewhere. Ah, well, mm-hmm. that would make me happy. Yeah, because again, here's another musical that you know, to, you know, it's it's speaking to a specific audience. You know, the the ones they're really trying to come out. I've, I've noticed this over the past couple of years they are really trying to come out now with shows and it's always these new playwrights and I'm so happy for it. They always mm-hmm. come out with shows that are geared towards a specific audience and that audience is high school and mm-hmm. I love it. It's because great. Now you're bringing all into theater. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah. a 16-year-old's not going to see My Fair Lady. They're not going to see Tootsie. It's you a know, cultural reference for them, but The Prom, where everybody's awkward and nobody really knows what in the world they're doing, that speaks volumes. Shows like Dear Evan Hansen and and Be More Chill, you know, like the awkward teenage years are finally getting a voice. So I definitely think you'll see the prom get nominated. Absolutely.
0: Well, that that would make me happy. Not that the Tony Award Committee is trying to make me happy, although they should. Um, yes. but, <laughs> but, but but that would make me happy because <laughs> I think they deserve it. And I, I'm really – do you ever get worried about a show? <laughs> like you're like, oh, no, this show might class. Yeah. That's how I feel about the prom. Uh-huh. I just want it to keep going on, and I and I worry about them. So I would love to see them get a little shot in the arm.
2: I, I would there? also love the shot in the arm, but I'm also super excited about the Ryan Murphy movie, and now the newly announced uh, young adult novelization of the play.
0: Right, yeah. So
2: that the, both of those are coming out for the prom. So I, I, the prom is going to live on.
0: Yes. Yeah. Well, very cool, you guys. Thank you for all your input those were our picks for the Tony nominations. Again, we're going to hear those on the 30th. So stay tuned. We'll come back and we'll talk about who our picks will be for the winners. So I'd like to thank Sammy for joining us today. I really appreciate your input. And um, one thing that I want to mention about Sammy is she is not just a theater fan. She is also a playwright. So, (laughs) and, and she recently had a play in New Jersey called Listen. And Sammy, are you doing anything new? Anything you want to plug with us today?
1: Oh, I get to plug. I love you shameless to- plugs. Yes. I love shameless plugs, yes. <laughs> so, Listen ran for six shows. We have sold out four. So, I'm hoping to bring it to the city at some point, hopefully in the next year. Um, I just the other day started working on a new show called Mister universe, where this woman goes on bad date after bad date after bad date. And she finally looks at, you know, I, as we all do universe, send me the perfect guy. And then this guy knocks on her door, uh-huh. and she starts dating him. And, and every, you know, it's one of those things where every time she like asks the universe or something or thinks that she wants something, he mysteriously has it, you know, like, She has a three date policy. So if you don't pass her three dates, she dumps you or she ghosts you. So she goes to ghost this guy and he goes wait i got us concert tickets to that concert you really wanted to see but it's totally sold out <laughs> and every time she thinks she wants something and every time she asks the universe or something he just mysteriously has it or has done it for her and you you know you find, i don't i don't know if he's going to tell her that he's the universe or not but you through the course of events figure out that this guy is actually the universe and you know yes. it's one of those things where you can't always get what you want because then you'll become miserable because then you won't want anything
0: that sounds so fun <laughs> Yeah. That, and, you know, that sounds so good. So yes. <laughs> well, listen, Sammy, you have to keep us updated and when you know, when you get Listen up and running in the city or you get Mr. Universe up for its premiere, you have to come back and talk to us about it, okay?
1: I absolutely will. I think that'll be great, yes.
0: Awesome.
2: Yay.
0: Well, Sammy DiSocio, thank you so much for joining us. And Aaron, thank you again for always being there to help me out. (laughs) No problem. And and Aaron and I will be back with Beyond the Boards. back guys we're now doing our segment called beyond the boards this is a segment where we talk about things that are broadway adjacent it could be a cd signing or a book reading or you know anything having to do with broadway so Aaron, i'm going to hand it over to you what do you have to share with us
2: well the big news in st louis land is the muni announcing its principal casting for the hundredth and first. Season Definitely check out muni.org for all the details, but some of my favorite highlights are for the show Kinky Boots. They have Graham Scott Fleming as Charlie, Jay Harrison Gee for Lola, and fan favorite Taylor Lauderman for Lauren. She is a St. Louis, uh, Bourbon, Missouri native, and uh, every time she comes back to the Muni, it's lightning. It's fireworks. Lovely. It's amazing. For Cinderella, we have such amazing actresses as Ashley Brown and Vicky Lewis will be gracing the Muni stage. And Matilda, Will Swanson, and Anne Haranda will be there.
0: Oh, yay. I love Anne. Love love I, her from back to the musical days.
2: Yeah, she is amazing. She's been on a few muni uh, Muni stages, and this is yeah, I cannot wait to see. Um, she's going to be Mrs. Worms or sorry Wormwood, and uh, Will is going to be Mrs. Churchwald. So this is oh so exciting.
0: Fun fun. Well, I have a few things to share this time around. First of all, speaking of kinky boots. Cindy Lauper will be performing at the New York Pops on April 29th at their Gala Tribute that's actually in her honor. The Gala is called Hat Full of Stars, Songs of Cindy Lauper and she'll be joined by Annalee Ashford, Boy George, Bridget Everett, Lena Hall, Nona Hendricks, Carly Rae Jepsen, Ingrid Michelson, Alex Newell and Stark Sands. And they'll be performing her hits from Broadway and popular music. Also, 20 participants from the New York Pops Kids on Stage program will be performing with them. The concert will also honor Ken Lowe, the founder of Scripps Networks, and Discovery Board member. The showtime is at 7 p.m., and you can grab tickets at newyorkpops.org. Now, I have to tell you, if you've been listening... You know that right now I'm kind of obsessed with Hades Town, and I am so excited about
2: this news. This is there, brand new information. What are you it talking is about?
0: Brand new, brand new information. Uh, Hades Town is going to release an original cast album on June seventh. Yay! Yay! I'm so excited because up until now, I've just been listening to the Off Broadway production, which is fabulous. But I'm so excited to hear this Broadway cast, and it's going to be available on all major digital and streaming platforms. Also, a two-CD recording will arrive in stores at a later date. Also, uh, one of my favorites, Paolo Zott, who sang like a dream in South Pacific, will be at Feinstein's 54 Below from May 9th to the 11th, and tickets can be found at 54below.com. Finally, if you've been keeping up with our Fosse-Verdon recaps, or been, just been watching the limited series, you'll be interested in this piece of news. The other night, the 92nd Street Y did a conversation with the cast and creatives of Fosse-Verdon, and that included Lynn manuel Miranda, Thomas Kale, Sam Rockwell, and Michelle Williams. Also, Nicole Fossey, uh, who is the daughter of Bob Fossey and Gwen Vernon, joined them on stage. And they have a great discussion about creating the series and some little behind the scenes tidbits about Nicole's real life. Like, was that apartment real? yes, it really was real. Um, She talks a, a bit about that, which is pretty amazing. And you can still find that video online. It can be found on the Facebook page for the 92nd Street Y. And I urge you guys to check it out. So those are our picks for Beyond the Boards this episode. Thanks again for joining us. And we can always be found on the OnStage Blog Network on OnStageBlog.com. You can also find us on iTunes and Spotify. And when you're looking for us, be sure to search OnStage Blog Network. OnStage is all one word. If you would like to communicate with us, you can email us at theaterthing at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook at It's a Theater Thing, and our Twitter handle is at Theater Thing. Let us know what you think of the Tony nominations. We want to hear what you have to say. We'd also love to hear what you think of our predictions. You know, were we totally off the mark or do you guys agree with us? We would love to hear from you. So until then, see you next time.